Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869 or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. Now I want to continue from on the book of Revelation 21. We've been doing this study on entering the city of God. And I want to continue with that. And this is part 9 of the series that we'll be dealing with. Revelation 21, I'm reading from verse number 1. And the Bible says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Was the first heaven and the first earth will pass away, and there was no more sea. I try to explain this severally to every one of us, for the benefit of those who are with us today. When you talk about a new heaven and a new earth, it's not necessarily indicating that the whole earth is going to explode, uh, and then something else will come in. But you just go back and think about what happened in the days of Noah. A new earth is really coming to being because a new crop of people came into being. Is that okay? We are made to understand that Noah inherited a new earth. And that was because the wickedness that was on the earth were removed. Anytime God wants to do something new, he gets the old out of the way. Hallelujah. And those who also carry such things, sometimes they go along with it. So you need to understand. When we talk about sea... The time is not here for us today to explain that because we're looking at the gates by which you enter the city. But the sea is not speaking about the Atlantic Ocean or in the ocean. Uh, the sea is speaking about a people whose life are not stable in Christ and in God. Hallelujah. In subsequent studies, I'll be able to let you see that properly. But that's what the sea stands for. Amen. Jude referred to such people as forming out their own shames. That's what it means. In other words, they are not aligned with the truth. They are not aligned with the Spirit of God. They are not aligned with the mind of God. They are walking in their carnal nature. They are being influenced by their Adamic life. These are the multitude of the sea. When the Bible says, no mercy, it's talking about such group of people no longer in existence in terms of having their life being influenced by something else other than God. Praise the Lord. Okay, verse 2 says, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepare as a bride, and do for her husband. And this is also very funny. The Jerusalem we're talking about is coming out of God, is coming from heaven, it's not going to heaven. So in the first place, it is for you to go to it, you only need to enter into it, even as it's coming down. Is that okay? Praise the living God. It's coming down, so you don't need to go up there in the first place. What God requires of you is entering into the city. Not going into the city, but entry into the city. Because the city is coming down out of God. Prepared by God himself. And the Bible refers to him as for our husband. So, again you find that, who is the husband here? We're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. So, what is the heavenly Jerusalem? The church, the bride, you and I. Hallelujah. Okay. Verse 3 says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. 
and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Amen? Now let's quickly move on to what we're talking about in relation to the gate. So go to verse 11. And the Bible says, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the heavenly Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and a light was like unto his so most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And the sword says, And had a great wall and high, and had twelve gates. That's the key point. And had a gate, twelve angels, messengers, if you will, and names written therein, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. So this city we look at, we're saying it got twelve gates. Hallelujah. And these twelve gates are the twelve tribes or the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Now what that's, what that means is this. Okay, let's just quickly move to Ezekiel 48 so that we can... Ezekiel 48 verse 31. Ezekiel 48 31 says, And the gate of the city shall be after the names of the tribes of Israel. Three gates northward, one gate of Reuben, one gate of Judah, one gate of Levi, and on the south side, 4,500 measures and three gates. One gate of Simon, one gate of Isaac, and one gate of Zebulun. Praise the living God. Are we together? Okay. So now, we're going to be dealing with the gate of Simon. We've dealt with the gate of Judah. We've dealt with the gate of Levi. With me joining, with Miss union, you united with God. First Corinthians six seventeen. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. God being your husband, you brother, wife to the Lord, getting united in your spirit with God. That's Levi, and that's part of how you go into the city. Your union with God is what takes you into the city of the living God. We're talking of entering the city of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And I try to say this. There's a big difference between you seeing, entering, and possessing. You can see without you entering. And you can enter without you possessing. I try to make you see that Moses, for instance, saw the promised land. But he didn't enter the promised land. And the twelve tribe that entered the promised land finally have to have portions to possess. So there is a scene. Jesus said, if you accept a man born from above, he cannot see. Except you're born of the water and spirit, you cannot enter. So there is a scene and there is an entering. And so if you're in the church and you don't seem as it were to possess some of the things you are supposed to possess, you have to understand that it's probably you don't have seen but you haven't entered. And I give the simple illustration. Sometimes you're traveling and then you, you try to have a transit or maybe a layover of one or two hours in another nation. If for instance you are going to the U.S. and you are going through maybe like uh, Morocco, you're going to Morocco. You may not necessarily enter Morocco. You could stop at the airport. You may probably have seen the airport, but you didn't enter Morocco. Are you with me? Yeah, so some of us as Christians, this is our problem. We're just passing by. We're just seeing, but we haven't entered. And until you enter, you can possess what belongs to you. Hallelujah. 
So we are looking at what enables you to do what? To enter. Meaning, these 12 gates of the sons of Jacob, the name represents some of the characteristics and the, the nature you are supposed to possess to be able to enter into the city of the living God, to possess your possession. Amen? So we talk about Judah, talk about praise, and all of that. So let's move on now very quickly uh, for time's sake, because we're going to do some ministration at the end of the service of the world tonight. So, the gate of Simon is what we're dealing with today. Now, the word Simon, or the name Simon, means hearing. And this is so important. So important. In entering this city, you got to have a hearing ear. Anyway, let's move on. I'll give you a background to this man's name. Simon, hearing or head, I've heard. By the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see thee. Praise God. Simon was the second son of Jacob by Leah, according to Genesis 29, verse 33. Now, he was associated with Levi in the terrible art of vengeance against Hamor and the Sekamites. You remember when their sister was raped even though the Sikamite came in to say God we're going to marry this lady and the father gave instruction as okay if you have to marry my daughter you got to circumcise yourselves is that okay and the people say we love you we want to stay with you we like you to stay in our line and we'll be a kind of family whatever the name of the thing will be but we made to understand that Levi and Simeon they finally went to this city kill all the people kill everything vandalize the whole city all of that so this is one of the major problems of Simon hallelujah amen now this is what the father said when he was to die in the book of Genesis chapter 49 5 to 7 let's take a look at it Genesis 49 5 to 7 and he says Simon and Levi are brethren Instrument of cruelty are in their habitations. No, no, no. This is something that you need to be you need to be watchful about. Simon and Levi, brethren, instrument of cruelty are in their habitation. Verse number six says, "O my soul, come not thou unto the secret, unto the assembly. My honor be not thou united for in their anger." They slew a man, and in their self-will, they dig down a wall. And I want you to know that self-will. Verse 7 says, Hallelujah. Cause be their anger, for it was their fears and their wrath. For it was cruel, and we divide them in Jacob, and scatter them in Israel. Cause be their anger. Now if there's anything you got to watch out for in your life as a child of God in entering the city of the living God is the spirit of anger. Hallelujah. Are you following me? The spirit of anger. You need to watch it. At any point in time. Whether in your family relationship, husband and wife, children, wherever you find yourself, God, I mean Jacob are referring to this, say, this anger is cruel. 
Now, you may, you, may, you may begin to think, well, they did a good thing because they tried to defend the family. They tried to protect their sister. But God said, the anger they exhibited is cruel. Praise the Lord. Cause be the anger. For it was fierce. And the wrath, for it was cruel. Cause be it. Now, go back to that verse number 6. And then look at it again. All my soul. Now here is a father who was supposed to be blessing his children. But hear what he got to say. All my soul, come not down into their secrets. Unto their assembly. My honor, be not thou united. For in their anger they slew a man. And in their self will they dig down a wall. Don't come close to that. In other words, my thoughts no, not towards it. My peace not towards that. Hallelujah. My honor. No, not towards him. Why? Because of this anger. But we just slew a man. Praise the living God. And so, God is similarly speaking to us. If you may understand the background to what we're talking about. That one of the things that can definitely stop you from entering the city of the living God. Is the spirit of what? Of anger. You need to watch out for it. You need to check yourself at any point in time. You need to be, I mean, you need to be very careful when it comes to this particular spirit. And, and of course, the Bible says, anger rests in the bosom of a fool. And I'm sure you're not a fool. So why exhibit anger? Why continue to allow anger to control, to dominate, to rule your life? Think about it. It is very important that sometimes if you're angry, don't even talk. It is better you don't even say a word when you're angry. Because sometimes what comes out of you, you cannot, you cannot return, you cannot retract, you cannot take back. The people you must have spoken this thing to, they've held it, and you have injured your heart, you have injured your spirit. Sometimes it's difficult to reconcile people that you have injured by the things you say when you're angry. Are you following me? This is one of the things that makes it difficult for you to enter into the city of God. To possess that which belongs to you. Hallelujah. Amen. So this is precisely what is wrong with Simon. Simon is an aggressive person. He was an aggressor. You got to watch it. You don't have to be aggressive unnecessarily. I mean, it doesn't pay you. It never benefits you. There is nothing good that comes out of you being aggressive unnecessarily. Think about it. It was an aggressive someone. You know, very fierce anger and a cruel rot that can result from, you know, unbridled activity. You know, when you're unable to control your anger, it's so bad. Remember, scripture says, he that have control over his spirit is like he that taketh a city. And he that have no control over his spirit is like a city without walls, whose walls are broken down. If you can control your spirit... It's come to the place where you have no defense in your life anymore. All manner of things, all manner of thoughts comes in. How many of you understand the Bible tells us we've got to avoid the root of bitterness? Think about that. Hallelujah. So, this is the life of Simon and Levi. And uh, the father was so much, you know, it was so, was so horrible as far as the father is concerned. And like I said before, Simon was associated with Levi in this terrible act of vengeance against Hamor and his Sikamites. Okay, praise the Lord. Let's move on uh, a little bit so that we can see 
what God intends of us. Like I said before, this name Simon means what? Hearing. It means hearing. And this is the most interesting aspect of it that we're going to look at. Praise the Lord. The most important aspect of it that we're going to look at. Simon did possess the properties of the land as well in Canaan. Joshua 19, 1-8. You can read that if you want. Uh, it was allotted a portion out of the territory of Judah. And the southern frontier which contained about 18 or 19 cities. With their villages spread around the venerable wells of Bathsheba. No, they had places given to them when they got to the promised land. And also Judges chapter 1, 3 and verse um, 17. You can read that if you want. But I want to go to the real thing that's important to me as far as the issue of this city. I mean, this gate is concerned. Remember, we're dealing with gates. And anytime you look at the word gate, you're looking at entrance. The Bible talks about being lifted up. Your gates and what? The everlasting, you know, the everlasting glory will come in. You, you, you know, be lifted up. Your everlasting doors. And the king of glory will do what? We're coming. So gate speaks of entrance. That's what I'm saying. So when we talk about the 12 gates into the city, we're talking about the characteristics, the attitude you possess that enables you to possess your true God. Again, we have to understand. I have said it before, but let me say it again. Can we look at the book of Matthew chapter 1 before I begin to look at the issue of hearing? Matthew chapter 1 verse 20 or 21. Um, from the Amplified Translation, if you can get it. You see, when Joseph, when Joseph wanted to put it with Mary, and there was good intention, um, 2021, Matthew chapter 1, 2021, from Amplified Translation. I had good intention on what he wanted to do. Um, verse 24, before I go to verse 21, because he find that he was betrayed to Mary, and Mary was pregnant, and he wanted to put Mary away, and not to cause embarrassment and shame unto her. That was good intention. Uh, but now God dispatched an angel unto Joseph. And why am I saying this? This is very crucial. We prayed about this on Friday. Some of you don't have control over your thoughts. But you see, this is what the Bible says. The Lord said, I will do exceedingly above all that you ask or think. That means God answers your prayers just like he answers your thoughts. Your thought is as important as your prayers. Now, this is a problem. Now, you see, Joseph was just thinking. He never told anybody. God could respond to his thought by sending the angel to say what I'm about to read. Is that okay? Come on, are you there with me? Alright. Same thing. If you are not in the atmosphere, heavenly atmosphere, in quote, let me put it that way, where you truly have good control over your thoughts. There are entities that can also take hold of your thoughts and cause you to do what you are not supposed to do. Is either God is going to answer your prayers or your thoughts or a negative spirit can answer your prayer or your thoughts. Whichever way. The point I'm raising is your thoughts are as important and weighty as your prayers. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Anything you think about so strongly, if you don't know, you eventually possess it. 
Because thought is like meditation. And the Bible talks about those who meditate upon the word of God day and night. Is that okay? They shall be like trees planted by the rivers of living waters whose leaves never goes dry because they always have water for supply. Think about that. Because they meditate. So thinking is like meditation. And anytime you start thinking thoughts that are negative, you're going to get answers too because thoughts are powerful. Through your thoughts you create. And so you get resorted about what you're thinking about. In terms of God's word, it has to do with meditation. Deep thinking. Hallelujah. Are we together? So here we go. So God responded to Joseph and this is what he says. But as he was thinking this over, I like that. Thinking this over. So it was not just a matter of a flip. I mean, it's not thing just once like that. It was something he was thinking over and over and over. Maybe one, two, three, four, maybe a week. He was thinking of the same thing. What am I going to do to Mary? What am I going to do to Mary? Okay, now this is what I'm going to do to Mary. He was thinking this over. Every time you start thinking, you're trying to get answers to the problems similarly that are facing you. Amen? But as he was thinking this over, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, descendant of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is off. Now the word off is very important. Of from or out of the Holy Spirit. So King was off the devil, and you are off God. <laughs> Coming to the book of First John, you understand that? We say when you say off, you are proceeding from. That's where you came from. Little children, you are off God. Huh? What is that supposed to mean? You came from God. Your source is God. Your life is God. Just like Cain was off the devil. Think about that. Are you with me? Okay. Look at the next verse. Verse 21. And it says, Verse 21. Praise the Lord. She will be her son, and he shall call his name Joseph, or Jesus rather. The Greek form of the Hebrew Joshua, which means Savior, for he will save his people from their sins. That is, prevent them. What it means to be saved from sin is to prevent them from falling and missing the true end and hope of life which is God. That is your hope. And sometimes when I say the people get me wrong, you only need to get God to get heaven. You can get heaven without God. Your hope, your target, what Jesus came to do is to get you back to God because you broke relationship with God. Nothing more. If you can connect back to God, anything else follows. Call it heaven, call it dominion, call it power, call it authority. You only need to connect back to God. But the good thing again about this is, and this is why the Bible says, Christ will save you to the ultimate of such who believe in him. He said, he will prevent you from what? Failing and from what? Missing. Oh, praise the living God. 
In other words, I don't know how you think about it. I don't know how you feel about it. But the truth is this. You are going to get to your destination. Hallelujah. You are going to get to your destination. Now, if I may ask you, what's your destination? Heaven? <laughs> Glory to God. What is your real target? God. Amen. And so the Bible says, it will prevent them. That is what it means to be saved from sin. It will prevent them from failing and missing the true end and scope of life, which is God. Hallelujah. You get God, you get everything. Anytime, anywhere. And this is what Christ is doing. So every day, something is happening in your life. As you are walking on, he is doing something in your life. And this is very important. Amen? Okay. So, be not afraid in the first place. You're going to get there. I say you are going to get there. And now when you get there, or as you are about going there, because you see, I, I, I used to say that, and it's very important. The, the thing that man really missed in Eden was not just Eden, but God. It was when they missed a relationship with God that they lost everything that man was supposed to have in Eden. Are you, are you there with me? Very good. So Jesus came to reconnect us back unto God. So that that which belongs to us will begin to come our way. Okay. Now, let's look at the book of Matthew chapter 13. As we're dealing with Simon. Matthew 13. I read from verse number 7. And this is the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower. And it talks about... No, give me King James. Just King James. I'll tell you if I wanted to switch slide on that. The Bible said, talking about the word, and some fell among tongues, and tongues sprung up and choked them, but other fell in the good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some, I mean, thirtyfold. He said, What ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said unto him, why speaketh it down to them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not given. And verse 12 says, For whosoever had to him shall be given. And he shall have more abundance. <laughs> but whosoever have not from him shall be taken away. Even that which he had. And I wouldn't have time to begin to explain this. But sometimes you begin to see that. If God doesn't give you understanding of even his word. The little simile you have. By the time you start listening to some of the things that the Lord has to say. It's like you miss them all. Hallelujah. Now look at verse 13. Therefore speak I to them in parables. Because... They seeing, see not. And hearing, they hear not. Neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah which said, By hearing you shall hear and shall not understand. And by seeing you shall see and shall not perceive. 
Why? For this people's heart is was gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and she understand with their heart, and she'll be converted, and I shall heal them. Hallelujah. But blessed are your eyes for the see, and your ears for what? The hear. Simon hearing simply means you hearing and understanding what God is saying that you might be healed. It takes hearing and understanding of what God is saying for you to get healing. I'm going to explain to you what the healing stands for. Not just your physical healing alone is much more than that. Praise the Lord. Are you with me? I want you to catch this. Let's hear. Now, Isaiah gave this prophecy and saying, Hearing they will hear, but they will not understand. So sometimes you might understand. Seeing doesn't mean you've seen an object. To see actually means to understand. Another word for it. If, for instance, if I'm speaking to a blind man, and I begin to describe to the blind man, the blind man could hear me say, I almost had an accident, and I begin to describe what happened, how my motor or the vehicle I was traveling in almost fell into a ditch and stuff like that. And the blind man say, I see. So how did you survive it? What did the blind man see? He saw nothing. But he understood what I said. That I almost had an accident. Do you understand that? That's what it means to do what? To see. So you see, you could be reading the scriptures, but you don't see. You could be reading the Bible, you don't have understanding. But the gate of Simon opens you up, not only to see, but to do what? To understand. Praise the living God. Are you with me? Okay, let me, I would like us to read this from the message translation. Very fantastic, the way it came out. I mean, it came out here. Go to message translation, again, Mighty 13, verse number 7. Let's read it. Mighty 13, verse number 7 again. It says, some fell in the weeds as he came up. It was strangled by the weeds, all carelessness about life. Some fell on the good ground, on good eggs, and produced harvest beyond its wider dreams. And I pray that will be your Lord in the name of Jesus Christ. And verse 9 says, are you listening to this? Really listening? You think you are listening to what I'm saying? Now, it's a white test stories. That's the question. Why? Why teach them in parables? Why test stories? That's the question. Verse 10 says, The disciples came up and asked him, Why do you tell stories? Why teaching parables? Is that okay? Alright. Verse 11 says, He replied, You've been given insight into God's kingdom. Hallelujah. You know how it works. Not everybody has this gift. This insight, it hasn't been given to them. So, 
knowing how the kingdom works is a gift. It's an insight. It comes from God. To you it is given, to them it is not given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. So when you begin to understand the kingdom, sometimes people can, as a matter of fact, understand what you are saying. You may, you may sometimes look confusing to them when you speak them because of the insight you've received. You've received from the Lord. He's giving you insight to know the things about the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Verse 12 now says, Wherefore someone has a ready heart for this. The insight and understanding flow freely. Now what do you think about that? When you are ready for God, He gives you insight, which has to do with what? Understanding about the things of God. You won't be reading the Bible and it's looking like a storybook. You'll be able to see precisely what is intended and the purposes of God. If you are ready for it, you say it flows out of their belly, the world says, John 7, 37, shall flow what? Rivers of living water. There is a flow of insight that God guarantees us if we are ready for him. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. Praise the living God. If there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity disappears. So you see, it is as you are ready that the grace to understand is released to you. Is that okay? All right. Then it says, that is why I tell stories <laughs> to create readiness to nudge the people towards receptive insight. In their presence, say they can stare till doomsday and not see it. I create stories to draw attention for people to be ready for what I have to say. These are the, one of the most wonderful teachers. On the face of the earth. He wants to get your attention. He begins to paint pictures for you. With stories. He just wants to get your attention. Why are you teaching the parables? To get attention. Are you there with me? Praise the Lord. He listen till they are blue in the face. And not get it. If there is no readiness. In other words. There is no point wasting time for people. Or with people. Or towards people who are not ready. So, for me to get them ready, I paint pictures. I give them stories. And they begin to listen and they begin to wonder. Where is this man going? What does it mean? Hallelujah. Verse 14. And he says, I don't want Isaiah's forecast repeated all over again. Can I hear an amen? Your ears are open, but do not hear a thing. Your eyes are awake. But you don't see a thing. That's what Isaiah said. But Jesus said, I don't want that to happen anymore. All over again and again and again. In other words, I want the people that can hear and see what I'm saying. Praise the Lord. Verse 15 says, The people are blockheads 
as I have said talking. They stick their fingers in their ears so they won't have to listen. They screw their eyes shut so they won't have to look. So they won't have to deal with me face to face and let me heal them. Hallelujah. The people don't want to listen to what I'm saying. Dealing with me face to face so that I can heal them. And so to get your attention, I paint pictures. I tell stories. Verse says, But you've heard God. You have God. Blessed eyes. You have God. Blessed eyes. Eyes that see. And God blessed ears. Ears that hear. Hallelujah. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying here? When mighty said, your heart is wild grows. What it actually means is, it's become fat, inattentive, stupid, insensible. It's as powerful as that word grows in the kingdoms. In other words, they have, I mean, they hear heavily with their ears and half asleep while the salvation of God is being preached unto them. And this sometimes happens naturally too. You be speaking in church and people are sleeping. <laughs> I pray Isaiah's word will not be fulfilled in your life. So wake up if you are sleeping. Is that okay? But it's what he's saying. So we have a people, we have a group of people that will want to listen to what God is saying. They stick their fingers in their ears. They don't want what God is saying to penetrate. Listen to me. It is only through the word that healing can come. The salvation of God comes through the word. The Bible made us understand I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For the power of God unto what? Unto salvation. It's the gospel. You have to understand it. Their eyes, they are closed, totally and obstinately. They resist the truth of God and shut their eyes against the light. And this thing is still happening today. You find a lot of people don't want to progress beyond the level that they are. Sometimes when certain things begin to come up, they begin to wonder, how is this man saying this? Who has ever said it before? Maybe they begin to make comparison with some of the bishops and the, and the great apostles that have been on the land. That apostle didn't say it. That man didn't say that. This one didn't say that. If it is because of somebody who has been there before, then someone like Apostle Paul will have nothing to say because he was not even with Jesus. Is that okay? But he came in and he swept everybody out of the land because the revelation God gave to him was super abundance as compared to even what those who met with him physically had. What they never understood, they could understand. So it's not a matter of those who have been there. For the first shall be the last and the last shall be the first. Hallelujah. Are you with me? So, let us see. Let us see their low estate and be able to turn to the Lord. Now, I will not have the time, but sometimes when you talk about turning to the Lord, the first thing that comes to your mind is what repentance. And sometimes when we think about repentance, we say, well, I repent of my sin, I repent of my drinking, I repent of my this, I repent of my that. But if you take time, maybe I'm going to do a study on that for you. If you take time to study the word repentance in relation to what Jesus was saying, what he meant to say was change your mind from what you have ever believed and start believing what I'm saying. 
Get out of your traditional way of thinking and think the way towards the things I'm talking about. That's what it means to repent. Repenting towards God means to think the word of God. It's to believe what God is saying. It is as you come in that things begin to work in your life. And sometimes you think it is by your own struggle that you make changes in life. How many of you have taken resolutions but the resolution never works? If you've seen people say that I will never drink again in my life. In the next one month, it's already with a bottle. You know, it's not by your strength. It has to be by God's grace. Hallelujah. That is why the word says, this man will save them from their sin. How did he, how did he say he's going to do that? He will prevent them from failing and missing. you got to understand. The ability to overcome certain characteristics and habits in your life can only come from God. It's not by your strength or struggle. Get it right. Praise the living God. He says, so if they will turn away, turn to the Lord, turn from their own ways of doing things, turn to the low level of thinking, turn from their, if I may use the word, Hebraic attitude, Hebrew cultures, and come back to the Lord, then I'm going to heal them. Hallelujah. I mean, if you understand, we are still discussing Simon right here. This is the gate of Simon. And he said, she heal them. You know what it means to heal? It's not necessarily because you're sick. It's going to heal you physically. That is also inclusive. But essentially what the Lord was saying here. He wasn't talking to just sick people. Remember that? He was speaking to sometimes Pharisees, sometimes the scribes. Let us you see, let you understand with your heart and believe. Then I will heal them. He wasn't talking to a sick community. So why was he talking about healing? What kind of healing was this? Are you with me? Mm-hmm. He, he wasn't dealing with maybe a colony of lepers or something, cripples. Huh? And so he was preaching to some crippled families, set of thing, and then he said, okay, if they can believe me, I will heal them. No, he was talking to, he was talking to people. He was talking to scribes, Pharisees, I mean, religious leaders, whatever. But he's saying they need healing. Healing from what? That's the question. Do you understand that? Come on, are you here with me? Praise the Lord. Say, I shall heal them. What it means is that I shall pardon them. I shall sanctify them. I shall save them. Now, get this right. Sin is often seen as a disease. And a pardon and recovery of the soul from sin is called what? Healing. He was speaking to religious people who would not believe what he was saying. He was saying, if only they could believe, I will pardon their iniquities. I will save them. I will sanctify them. Praise the living God. That is the healing that he was talking about. Men need healing. First of all, your soul needs to be healed because before your physical body needs to be, I mean, have to get healing. You may get healed in your physical body and see sick in your soul. Are you with me? And Jesus is saying, if only they can't believe what I'm saying and get to the place of understanding, I will do what? I will heal them. Now, these are religious people he was talking to. These are people that are just, let me use the word, they are not in the community of God's kingdom. Men who have not received insight yet as to how the kingdom of God works. These are the people he was talking to. He says, so if they can only believe me, I will heal them. In other words, I'll pardon their sins. I will save them and I will do what? Sanctify them. That's what it means to heal in this context. 
Is that okay? Praise the Lord. So I will pardon them. Remember what the Lord said. I will remember their iniquities no more. Hebrews chapter 8. I will forgive, I will forget, and I will remember their iniquities what? No more. You got to understand that. That's what it means. It's healing of the soul. If only they can talk to the Lord. So you understand it turns you back onto God. To start thinking the way God thinks. You see something. Let me not say it. But how many of you have read in the Bible, he repented God that he made man? Have you, have you read that? So if repentance means sin, are you saying God sinned? There you are. But what he means is God changes mind. <laughs> Glory to God. Is it simple? No, it's very simple. Because if repentance means you, you turning away from sin, that's what repentance means. So you mean God sinned? Because God said they repented God that he made man. What it simply means is God changed his mind. And one of the ways by which God changed his mind is, I will no longer destroy the earth because of man's sake. Praise God. Did you get that? In other words, God took another course that he intends to follow. That's what it means to repent. So God said, if only men can have understanding and repent or change from the way they are thinking and begin to follow that which I am saying in the gospel, I will forgive them, I will sanctify them, and I will save them. Praise the Lord. I just want you to pick this because it's very vital. I want you to understand what I'm saying this evening. That all you need to do to enter into the city that God may release to you his love unconditional his love unmerited his grace the dynamics of life all you need to do is to think the way God thinks as you begin to hear what God says when the gate of Simon is open to you into the city Hallelujah. Through this gate, you get your healing. Through this gate, you get your forgiveness. Because now you begin to hear. I see what the Lord said? My sheep hear my voice. They know me and I know them. And the voice of stranger, they will not follow. My sheep hear my voice. So what it means is, for a sheep to begin to hear God, means God has given that individual insight into his word. If you read the word, you can have understanding. God begin to speak to you. And this is one of the greatest privileges of the gates of Simon. Hearing God and receiving your pardon, receiving your salvation, receiving your sanctification as you enter into the city to possess your possession. Are we see together? Praise the living God. Now, this is what is going to happen after now. We're going to pray very briefly. But before we do that, but I journey to pray. I want you to read Mark chapter 7 and verse 32. This is where the service is going to be closing on. Hallelujah. Mark 7, look at verse 32. Mark 7, 32. Hallelujah. And I bring unto him one that was deaf. Mark 7, 32, King James. They bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. 
And they beset him to put his hand upon him. Verse 33. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears and his feet and touched his tongue. The key point I want you to get is verse 32. They brought this man that might lay his hand on him. That means sometimes when hands are laid on you, your sickness is your diseases are cured and healed. Do you understand what I'm saying? They brought this man. I want you to look at it again. Verse 32. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. Did you get that? To put his hand upon him. And I'm going to put my hand upon you today. Expect a miracle. Hallelujah. I say expect a miracle. Praise the living God. I want you to come to that place of understanding. That when you walk with God. And you begin to understand this word. The changes you need will readily come to you. They brought this man. That he might lay his hand upon him. So when hands are laid on you, expect your healing. Expect your miracles. Hallelujah. You follow what I'm talking about? There's anything you believe in God for. Trust God to have it even today. If there is anything you've been struggling with in life. Anything you've been struggling with in life. Is going to terminate today. I'm going to lay hands on you according to the scriptures. Have expectation because the people that brought this man, they had expectation. If only he can lay his hand on them, he'll be healed. He was deaf, he was dumb, but the Lord lay hands and this man, I believe, ended up speaking, ended up speaking, ended up hearing, Ended up hearing just as it should be. That is where it's going to be with some of you. What if I is the case?